0: Praise the Lord the rest of you air five somebody tell them that you're glad that they're here And you can be seated Praise the Lord I want to remind you you can go on to the app and you can sign up for small groups and uh Small groups is, is a great way, and it's really our way that you can make connections, and uh, really even in the time that we live and we're allowed to get together as smaller groups together, it's a time of fellowship, it's a time to really talk about what God is saying to us as a church, but also what he's saying to you, it's a place to pray together, it's a pra- place to uh, begin to develop relationships, and in those relationships you find uh support with others and things like that so there's a number of different uh small groups that you can get involved in you can go onto the app and and get involved in that i believe that this is just an avenue that god has given to us that we're going to continue to grow and to build Uh, not only the 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 church as a whole but uh, individuals in the church will grow and have uh, that personal connection and relationship with those in the body As our vision is every member in their place, then it's really essential that members of the body find connecting places as every joint supplies with other members of the body. And so there's a number of different departments that you can get connected with, but in a small group, you begin to connect even on a a more intimate level with different members of the body. It creates strength and wholeness, I believe, in the body and gives us a way as we gather like this, and especially in the times that we're in, we gather, we're we're not sure whether, which door to come in, which door to go out, um, how long to stay, whether we can stay, whether we can go, which, you know, you just be led by the Spirit. And, uh, but as we come together and we know where we're going, the people we're coming, what, what we're studying, how we're praying together, we uh, link ourselves together. So I encourage you to sign up for a small group. I believe that it will be a great blessing to you. Open your Bibles to Matthew, the 28th chapter. And uh, we're going to continue along the lines that we began last Sunday, but we're going to launch off of this scripture and then go into a few others. And this is really at the end, right before Jesus ascended into heaven. In verse 17, he says, And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given unto me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the father and of the son and of the holy spirit teaching them to observe all things that i have commanded you and lo i am with you always even to the end of the age he makes this interesting statement uh, that i believe that we have kind of navigated over 2000 years and we have maybe adjusted the meaning we've adjusted our thinking about it but he said therefore go and make disciples of all nations and so there's an aspect where we make converts of people we have them pray the prayer of salvation but really when he begins to say make disciples he's talking about making disciplined followers those whose life is focused and disciplined in following Jesus and so in Matthew chapter 16 and we're gonna go to this scripture in Matthew but as we saw last week that uh, um, Jesus said this in Matthew and Mark and Luke, and as I told you, uh, we we've been in our staff time. We have staff devotionals, and so more recently we've gone through a number of books in the Bible. But we've been going through the Gospels, and as we've been going through the Gospels, I, I was reminded as we went through them again. This statement just came up again and again. And I remember that uh, somebody told me, whether I was in Bible school at some time, they said, you know, when you see a statement in at least three out of the four Gospels, stand up and pay attention. It's something that's been recorded. You have some stories that are one way and one Gospel and another way, and, and you have some that stand out to one writer, and they're all important, but this statement that Jesus made here, he made time and time again. In verse 24, he says, Then Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or, what will a man give in exchange for his soul? For the Son of Man will come in the glory of his Father and with his angels, and then he will reward each according to his works. And that's how Matthew says it. The others say that he will come, and he says, If you have denied me before men, I will deny you before my Father and the angels in heaven. And so there's a point here where he says if you want to come after me if you want to be a disciple of mine There's going to have to be discipline that we begin to understand and so we started launching into this uh, last week And so the number one thing that jesus says that we're going to have to do is deny ourselves And I believe that there is a a a move of god that we are On the threshold of issue if you will I believe it's already going on in many places in the world I know that it's going on full force in the realm of the spirit and if we really begin to understand what Jesus said "Thy kingdom come thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven there's heavenly realities there's things that are going on and active in the heavenlies that we've not yet seen come to pass on the earth yet and really, they're not going to come, on, come to pass on the earth unless the church moves some things aside and steps over into that place of doing what God has for us to do. So he says, number one, that we have to deny ourselves. And in the day that we live in, in the time that we live in, you've heard this phrase, I'm sure, before, entitlement. And denying yourself flies directly in the face of entitlement. And sometimes when we just really look to interpret what God is doing, we just many times have to look and see what the world is doing and know that the world and its system is at enmity against God. So whatever is churning in the world system, we can usually perk up and say, wait a minute, now let me go to this scripture and see what's going on. If this is prevalent in the world, me, 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 mine, 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 I'm entitled to, I'm entitled to, I'm entitled to, and then all of a sudden we look into the word of God and he says, deny yourself. It really starts to rub and create something the wrong way, and of course we navigate that and we say, well, God wants me blessed, God wants me prospered, God wants me whole. But again, we can get into that place where we begin to meld and we begin to fall into the world's course without even thinking about it because God does want you blessed and he wants you whole and he wants you prospered, but he wants you blessed to be a blessing. And so he always moves the focus not just on you, but through you. And entitlement, the focus is just upon me, me having, me getting, me wanting, and and, and my life being something that that really is something that people can look at and say, my life. But he says, listen, at some point, you're going to have to deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow him. And so when God moves into our life and we see the blessing of God come into our life, we always want to ask and say, what do you want me to do? How do you want me to follow after this? Turn over to 1 Peter chapter 4. 1 Peter chapter 4, we challenged you last week to just deny yourself something. Just to deny yourself something. I talked to somebody in, in uh, uh, the parking lot this morning, and they'd come a couple weeks ago, and, and really throughout this, since March, uh, things had really gotten confusing for them. Things had been challenging. The enemy had... Had Launched an attack on their life and and really very simply. I love the power of God Uh, You know, he was just telling me all that had happened and right there in the parking lot I said, let's just let's just stop from it. Let's just pray Let's just pray So we prayed in the parking lot. Amen in jesus name. Amen And so he comes back today and he said you prayed for me in the parking lot And since then even to that sunday night man things have just been changing And then he said, last Sunday night, you said that there's just a miracle working on the inside. And you challenged us to deny ourselves of one thing this week. And he said, and that denying myself that one thing has just opened up some stuff. I don't know what he desired himself, one thing, but I'm telling you, sometimes we just get caught up in something that just saying, you know, no to something that self wants. No, I'm not doing that. I'm going to do what God wants me to do. Allows God to step into a situation and begin to work, to begin to work in our marriage, to begin to work in our finances, to begin to work in something. We can say all day, God, what about me? What about mine? Why isn't this working for me? But one time just to deny ourselves and give a space for God to step into and begin to see. Save that which he's ordained for us to walk in He said if we keep trying to do it if we keep trying to save our own life our own situation if we keep trying to do it We are in the way All he's asking us to do is deny ourselves step aside and let him come in and save our life To save us to heal us to deliver us to set us free to make us whole and to prosper what we set our hand to And we spend day and night and night and day worrying about how that's going to work out and what we're going to do and how we're going to control it. And he's like, when you're in that, it may turn out good, but it'll never turn out as good as I have planned for it to turn out. We can look and say, I'm doing a much better job with my life than somebody else is, and we start controlling. But you can never do as good a job as if you step aside and let Jesus begin to move. You can work with your marriage and say, I've done everything I need to do, and my spouse is doing nothing. Your spouse can say, I'm doing everything that I need to do, and they're doing nothing. But if you both stepped aside and let God do something, he'd put it back together and make it whole. Amen. Just saying. 1 Peter chapter 4. starting in verse 1 Peter says this he says therefore since Christ suffered for us in the flesh Arm yourselves also with the same mind In other words, he's saying this we see it in many different places since christ Denied himself and gave up his life for us We should arm ourselves With the same mindset for he who has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin that he no longer should live the rest of his time in the lusts of the f- in the flesh excuse me time in the flesh for the lusts of men but for the will of God. He's talking about how we deny ourselves and why. He says for we have spent enough of our past lifetime in doing the will of the Gentiles or the will of the world when we walked in lewdness, lust, drunkenness, revelries, drinking parties, and abominable idolatries. Now, I know we go through that list of things and think, well, you know, I don't really do that much of any of that. But when we begin to look into the root of those things, they're working and endeavoring to work in us to some level because they are the workings of your flesh, the old nature. In verse 4, it says, in regard to these things, they think it strange that you do not run with them in the same flood of dissipation, speaking evil of you. He said, listen, when you deny yourself, when you step back and say, you know what? I'm going to make a change and I'm going to live for God. The people you used to hang out with will wonder what in the world are you doing? One of the first steps of denying ourselves is understanding the crowd that we used to run with isn't going to like it. The one thing that, you know, has, has somewhat amazed me as a pastor, because I know in just walking as I did in, in, in the world and doing things in the world, many times you feel like, you know what, the church is so restrictive and the world is so accepting of me, but the world is not accepting of you. I've dealt with and been walking in discipleship with a number of uh, people who are now free from drugs and alcohol And walking with them and they said one of the number one things that has happened And even today they run into people that they used to run with and those people are still mad at them Because they decided to serve God and they say you know what I can't do this stuff anymore and they don't understand it And so they put up there and you're on the outside looking in then of that And so it takes a place where we get into that struggle of saying, you know what? I want to I keep everybody I hang around with. I want to keep all the peace with everything. But someplace, you have to deny yourself all of that, take up your cross, and follow him. And let him deal with the relationships, and let him deal with how you minister to the people that he wants you to minister to. So often we think, you know what? I, I'm going to give up my life for God, and then I'm going to go right back into where I was and do a work for God. But that's not where God's calling you back to. God's calling you to another Group of people. Sometimes he calls people back, but many times he doesn't because the proverb says only a fool and a dog return to their vomit. It doesn't, it's not really good to run back into your place that you had such difficulty with. Endeavoring to save you and to save your friends and get all that going, it's a time where we deny ourselves. He said, they will give an account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. For this reason, the gospel was preached also to those who are dead, that they might be judged according to men in the flesh, but live according to God in the spirit. Now listen, we're not saying at all that you don't minister to your friends and share the gospel with them as you're walking in that. But he said, listen, Peter is talking to a group of people not different than we are today where the old friends and the old habits and the old people that were living in the the flesh are trying to pull you back and wonder why you don't run with them anymore, why you don't do that with them. And Peter said, listen, Jesus is going to judge everybody. And they're all going to have a chance to know and they're all going to have a chance to hear. He's the one that will make the judgment about their life. So if they are the ones dragging you down, don't try to save yourself, but deny yourself. Take up your cross and follow him. Turn over 1 Corinthians chapter 13. You know, sometimes we we look at these things. I was teaching Bible school uh, on Thursday night. And we were talking about faith, and we were talking about how Jesus really has, if you read it, it's, it's fun to watch how he deals with his disciples as a leader, and he's always challenging them to locate their faith. I mean, almost always, they'll say something, they'll pipe up, they'll, they'll do something, they'll respond, Peter probably being the foremost of those. And Jesus will call out to them, and he'll say things like this, how is it? That right now you have no faith How is it that jesus thinks differently than we do that when he came walking to the disciples on the uh, on the? uh, uh, The sea and peter said man if that's you bid me come and jesus said come on out And he got on the water and he began to walk on the water He saw the wind and the waves and he began to sink and he cried out to jesus and said save me And jesus reached out his hand pulled him up. They got back in the boat and the first thing that Jesus said, now listen, in our, our mentality, this is how we begin to think, this is how we think that we're entitled to something, is that Jesus should have, and sometimes we imagine that he did, we, we talk about it this way, we imagine that Jesus got in, his, in the boat, put his arm around Peter and said, way to go, buddy. See these 11 guys? They didn't even get out of the boat. I know you began to sink, man, but at least you got out of the boat. See, but Jesus knew something that Peter didn't know, and that would have made him feel good. But getting out of the boat without faith will kill you. He said, when I leave, you can't get out of the boat, and when the storms of life come, doubt, because you'll sink and drown. Right, so we think Jesus just have said, way to go, man, you at least tried. But he didn't say that. He said, Peter, oh, you have little faith. And why was he doing that? Because he loved him and he was locating his faith. He wasn't being mean to him. He was saying, listen, just, yes, just a, a little while ago when I was preaching on the mountain, you were cheering on, you had faith. Oh yeah, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. But the moment storms arise, you think you can't do it. We need to locate where you're at because it will save your life in the end. When Jesus says you need to deny yourself, He's talking to them and I believe that he's talking to us and it looks different to us right now But it might not look different to us in a year or two years or three years He's talking about their actual life and their faith being threatened by pressure and even by death And he's talking to them about a moment when they stand there and actually to stand and deny Jesus Christ to save their own life and their own heartbeat is so critical that he's preparing them for a time when they stand up and they trust him with all of their life. Not just with their church life, not just with their Bible reading time, but trust him with their whole life. And I believe he's encouraging us as the church right now to trust him with our whole life. Not just our church life. Not just the convenience of our life. Come on, technology has made so many things so easy for us, but there's a day when we have to say, there's going to be days, there's going to be times when we have to say, listen, the convenience of watching by live stream is not what I need to do right now. I need to deny myself the snuggie and the coffee while I'm listening to the word get up, put forth an effort, get dressed, and go fellowship with the body of Christ. Why? Because there's somebody there that I'm going to run into that needs the word that I'm going to say, that needs the encouragement that I'm going to bring, that needs the prayer that I'm going to pray. Somebody there needs me to be there and not here in my own comfort and my own convenience. It's about denying myself because God wants to position me in a place that's outside of my convenience, outside of what I want and my desire, but he wants to position me to minister to somebody who doesn't even know him or that's struggling and needs the power of God released through you to somebody else, and it can't be done in your convenience. It has to be done in your sacrifice. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 10. It says, but when that which is perfect has come, then that which is in part will be done away with. When I was a child, I spoke as a child, I understood as a child, and I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. He said, when I became mature, I began to deny myself of the things that Entertainment of a child the things that appeased me as a child. I began to deny myself of those childish things So that I could step in to the responsibility in the adulthood that I was being called to and in that he's talking about those spiritual things Turn over to Hebrews the 12th chapter Hebrews the 12th chapter. We are living in an amazing an amazing day. I'm just telling you. You might watch the news and not think so. You might watch people running around, you might go and watch people not knowing whether to wear a mask, not wear a mask, shake hands or not shake hands, elbow bump or not elbow bump. I mean, there's just so much confusion. It's just an odd day that we live in. And you can just think, what a crazy day. But every time you dive into prayer, come on, somebody's got to confirm this with me. Every time you dive into prayer, man, something starts to bubble on the inside. Something starts to team on the inside that says, put all that stuff aside, pull back the veil, and God simultaneously is doing something supernatural and powerful. We just get confused. Can I shake your hand, not shake your hand? Can I pray with you or not pray with you? But listen, the faith of God rising in our heart, we can stand six feet away and understand that there's no distance. If I pray in the name of Jesus, something will smack you in the face by the anointing of God. Come on, the enemy wants to say, well, you can't even pray for somebody because you can't lay hands on them. You can pray for people. You don't have to lay hands on them. The Word of God's more powerful than that. And if you're not confused, just step over and lay your hands on them. <laughs> Come on, there's breakthrough. And I'm not talking about defying things. I'm not talking about I'm talking about caring about people in a situation. And trusting God. I'm not talking about just walking around and defying things. But recognizing there's confusion. And you're not the only one that's confused. People are in confusion. And God's not the author of confusion. But God's the author of peace. And so in the midst of all of it, we get to walk around as people of peace. And we get to walk around as people of joy. And that's how we deny ourselves. We begin to deny ourselves by Rejoicing in him turn over to Hebrews. Oh, we're in Hebrews chapter 12 We'll we'll just go over a chapter after that. Therefore verse 1 therefore we we also since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses let us lay aside every weight and The sin which so easily ensnares us and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us He said listen, we are going to have to choose to deny ourselves and lay aside some of the weights some of the stuff that we're carrying around that does not allow us to move efficiently and spiritually move we're weighted down by some of the desires of the flesh and of the mind and he says just go ahead and throw those weights off deny those weights place in your life that you might be light and move with God Hebrews 13 Hebrews chapter 13 Verse 13 says, therefore, let us go forth to him outside the camp, bearing his reproach. For here we have no continuing city, but we seek the one to come. Therefore, in other words, we can look around all the stuff that's going on, but we know that we live from eternal perspective. He says, therefore, by him, let us continually Offer the sacrifice of praise to god that is the fruit of our lips giving thanks to his name And do not forget To do good and to share for with such sacrifices God is well pleased So in a time like this we'll say you know what? I don't feel like praising some days you'll listen to the news I don't feel like praising but that's where you deny yourself your emotions you deny yourself your temper you deny yourself your moment of pouting and you sacrifice and bring forth praises to him Why? Because he's not doing that to get you to shake up and go, you know, quit pouting. He's trying to say, listen, I can't move in this, but I can inhabit your praises. And if you'll begin to praise me for what it is that you're sad about, you'll invoke my presence in that place. And we'll turn that thing around. So we're going to have to deny ourselves some things. He said, go ahead and don't forget to do good and to share with others. Don't forget to do good in a time like this We can get to the point where we're not sure who's doing what and why they're doing it And who's good and who's bad and who's not but we still get to deny ourselves We get to stretch out and do good and share with others It's just part of the plan of us following him and being a disciple Turn over to first uh, turn over to Luke the 14th chapter And so first we deny ourselves secondly we're going to have to bring ourselves and and find within ourselves the proper value system to walk in. And Jesus has just shared a parable of a great feast. He's coming out of that. In verse 25, before I read this scripture, I want to ask you this question we've asked you last week a number of times. I'm going to ask you again. How many of you from your heart want to be a disciple of Jesus Christ? Praise the Lord. Just about everybody in this room. I trust you raise your hand because it is a desire of your heart, not because somebody would be watching or that I would call you out. And so when you read this scripture, it's very important if you want to be a disciple to listen to what Jesus says to us. It's not Pastor Mark talking. This is Jesus talking. He says, Now a great multitude went with him, and he turned and said to them, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, and his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. And whoever does not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. For which of you intending... To build a tower does not sit down first and count the cost, whether he has enough to finish. Lest after he has laid the foundation and is not able to finish, all who see, him, see it begin to mock him, saying, This man began to build and was not able to finish. Or what king going to make war against another? King does not sit down first and consider whether he is able with 10,000 to meet him who comes against him with 20,000 or else while the other is still a great way off He sends a delegation and asks condition for peace So likewise, whoever of you does not forsake all that he has cannot be my disciple Wow So we just all raised our hand and said I want to be Jesus disciple And then we just read that, and we won't take a show of hands. We'll just let you stew on that. We'll just let that brew in your heart. Because that's not really our modern thought and our modern terminology. Our our terminology, and I don't think Jesus is trying to make it difficult to be saved or to come into the knowledge of him. It's really an easy thing. It's an understanding thing. But he says if you want to understand and you want to become all that God has created you to be, See, we make it very simple. We're like, you don't have to do anything. God did everything. And in salvation, he did that to receive that. But if we want to follow through with what salvation did for us and have the transformation of life, we have to readjust our value system. And that's all that he's saying is he's saying this, that really you have to understand that word hate there, that, that, that Greek word hate means to lowly esteem or to esteem lower. And so what he's saying, he's not saying in the way that we read it, you need to hate your mom, you need to hate your dad, you need to hate your brothers and sisters. He's saying that the moment that your family uh, members are in higher esteem than Jesus is, you cannot be my disciple. And certainly we should be able to understand that from a very easy perspective. There's going to be a number of things that Jesus calls us to do that he has for us to do And if our mother and our father and our brothers and our sisters and ourselves Alone don't like it and we're at the highest esteem We won't do it You can't follow him if you're following someone else first He's just making that statement. You're going to be challenged with family relationships that don't want you to do what God is calling you to do. And if you don't have the proper value of who is the most important and who is the second most important, you will find yourself standing before him someday and pointing the finger At your mom, your dad, your wife, your husband, your brother, your sister, as Adam did his wife, and saying, the reason that I did not fulfill your will, the reason that I ate of the tree was them. Them. I put them first. I put my parents first. But when you stand before Jesus, that won't hold any weight. Right now, there's pressure to feel that way. But he's saying, if you don't readjust the value system and who and what is of the most eternal importance, you won't be able to be his disciple. Not because he's going to kick you out. It's because just, just, I'm just, I'm maybe you already got this and maybe it's way too simple and I'm making it too difficult, but... I just think it's simple. Again, it's not difficult. If my mother is the most important person in the whole world to me, and I esteem her higher than anybody else, and my mom says to me, what in the world are you going to Bible school for? You should go to college and get an education and do something that will actually support you in life. My mom didn't say that, by the way. But I know of other moms that have said that. But my mom did ask me some questions as I was following God. And you say, you're right, Mom. You're the most important. I'm going to college. I'm not going to Bible school. But I want to be your disciple, Jesus. I just have to do what my mother says more than what you say. See, he's not saying I'm going to kick you out. He's just saying he's he's letting us know he should be giving us a revelation. If I'm not the most important thing, something is going to vie. For your importance and that thing will lead your life and he comes down to really the most critical at the end of that particular part of statement and he said and your own life as well that your own self your own flesh will get in the way of what you desire more than what God desires for you and you can't possibly follow Jesus if you're following your desires of your flesh and of your mind And that's why he gets to the point of understanding to crucify your flesh. But many times we don't look at this. Many times we say, I want to be a disciple. And Jesus, very encouragingly, but very, very, a matter of fact, says, listen, before you say that you're all in. Now, I know I run the chance of you going like, okay, thank you for that, pastor. We're not going to raise our hand about being a disciple anymore. We are not all in. But that's really not what I'm trying to encourage you to do. I'm trying to encourage you to look and get all in because following Jesus is better than following anyone else. What he has in store for you and the power of the Holy Spirit, not only working in you but working through you, To be able to rise to the place and experience the presence of God not just when we're all together in a worship service But wherever you are when you're at work and all of a sudden, you know the voice of the Spirit of God You know the anointing of God that he's leading you to do something that otherwise you wouldn't know what to do But because you're walking with him first and foremost he leads you into a situation and somebody gets born again They get healed they get delivered they get set free all of a sudden You're in a business meeting and all of a sudden, you know by the Spirit of God. I have a thought I have an idea, and it changes from a $1,000 deal to a tens of thousands of dollar deal only because he has a plan for you to prosper and establish his covenant in the earth. And you know that. And you turn everything around because you're walking with him, and he's the first priority, and his voice is the first priority. And sometimes you'll be in a place what sounds like an ominous deal and the best deal ever, and something on the inside will say, No, don't put this first. I have something far better. You're going to have to wait for better and not settle for second right. best. See, there's so often that the enemy comes and brings something enticing and we've settled and we've thought, wow, this is good, but we've settled for second best because we've listened to the voice of someone else instead of listening to the voice of the Spirit of God on the inside of us and valuing that voice and valuing this word more than we value anything. He says, you don't want to get into the middle of following me. And find the difficulty of it. Try to handle it in your own flesh with a little faith or with no faith because you haven't prioritized. You haven't put me first. And quit serving me right in the middle because people are watching you. I remember when I was going to Bible school and we were building. I was working on the building, building the City of Faith uh, Hospital at that time, and so we were stocking the 60-story building with sheetrock, so we'd go after school, four o'clock, we'd work from four o'clock till midnight, and all we'd do is load carts of sheetrock, get on the elevator, go up, unload sheets of sheetrock, stacks of sheetrock throughout the whole 60-story building. We did that just for my whole uh, time when I was at Bible school. But the elevator operator was operating, and we were coming down at one time and these uh, construction workers were going down on the elevator and these construction workers were talking about a friend that had just had an experience with Christ it was very interesting and and one of them said yeah yeah i'd give him 3 months i give him 3 months and he'll be back living the way he was living see the world's watching you and when you commit to Jesus they're listening Whether you know it or not, they're giving you a certain amount of time before they watch you abandon and fail. And Jesus says, I don't want that for you. I don't want that for you, so count the cost. He's not giving you an ultimatum and saying, now, if you don't count the cost, I'm going to kick you out from being in my club and my disciple. No, he says, listen, if you put me first and foremost, and you count the cost of putting mother and father and brother and sister behind me and what they'll say when they're second instead of first when the husband and wife are second instead of first with jesus how's that going to work how's that pressure going to come to bear how are you going to handle that he says but if you settle that in your own heart what's most valuable and what's not most valuable then i'm able to stand as your justifier your advocate your go-between and your intercessor He said, I can make up the gap, I can mend the hedge, I can bridge the relational gap and bring it together as it should be if I'm first. I can do what only I can do if I'm first, but if I'm second or third or fourth, then you have to rely upon the person that is first to do what only I can do. See, we put a lot of pressure on our husband, our wife, our mom and dad to do what only Jesus and the Holy Spirit can do because when you put them first, you are expecting them to do what only Jesus can do And Jesus says when you put me first when you prioritize I'm the only one by my spirit that can do certain things and when I'm first I will do those things But when I'm fifth, I will not be able to do those things Turn over to Matthew chapter 6 Now, I'm sharing something that I think is vital for us as a church. And if we take it to heart and we begin to do it, uh, you're going to start running and jumping and shouting and rejoicing. I know right now it's not a running message. Nobody's up running around. But I'm just telling you what. When we all of a sudden bring this into focus and watch the power of God, watch Jesus doing what only he can do, following him into places that we would never go Encountering people that we would never dream of encountering because we're following him into the places that he's designed for us to go That we would never would have thought of we never would have hoped of we never would have dreamed of we never would have thought of he's going far beyond that And you find yourself standing in the presence of somebody that you don't know exactly what to do and all of a sudden from the inside He gives you exactly what to say and it changes everything and Jesus gets the glory why because he's first we're not first he says I'll move you to places that you could do things that you can't do in your own strength you wouldn't think about doing but when I do them through you amazing things happen and I get the glory you don't because you have your value set in the right place matthew chapter 6 i don't know if this applies it just keeps coming back to me all night it just i don't know you know sometimes thoughts come to me so i'm just going to share it (laughs) if it's nothing it's nothing but I was talking to somebody the other day, and they were, they were talking to me about how they were, they were coming up in, in a certain area of their life, and they were watching. They were watching how it was done and how things would go, and they got set in their mind that the, the things are going to go this way, and when things go this way, this is where I'm going to end up, and this is how it's going to work for me, and this is how it's, it's just planned by God, and, and this is how it's going to work. And they've come up to that situation, and now everything has changed. Our culture's changed. Our society's changed. The structure where they are has changed and it's like, oh, all my life I dreamed of it being this way. And now it's not this way. It's a different way. And you know what? I just thought, wow, isn't that something? Because when I began to grow in ministry, it was a certain way. And even dealing with our staff and younger people, I'm trying to navigate where we are today, and I only know one way. I, already, I know the way that I came up. I know the demands that were on me. I know how it is, and, and you do this, and you serve this way, and you're faithful this way, and you do all this, but things are changing. Things are moving. Things are rearranging, and I was just thinking while we're looking at this, it's like, everybody's like, man, I was just looking for the day when we serve God, and God blessed us, and God blessed us, and God blessed me, and I had, and I had, and now you're telling us we got to like forsake all that and give that away. Yep. I was counting on all the time that I was going to be recognized and I was going to be noticed and I was going to have, and now you're saying deny myself. Yep. Things change, and God brought us to this place so he could take us to the next place. And he had to let us know that he wanted to bless us So that we would put faith in him and be blessed, but we couldn't look at the blessing and forget about the blesser And so we have to look and say you know what i'm willing to set it all aside For you because without you it's nothing and without you. I can't do anything of eternal value Matthew chapter 6 And everyone in one accord said, Yes, (laughs) you are of more value than they. Which of you, by worrying, can add one cubit to his stature? None. Not one of us. So, why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. For after these things, the Gentiles seek for your heavenly father knows that you have need of these things. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. See, Jesus is not saying again that these things don't have value. He's just saying when you worry because they have the ultimate value, you're going to struggle every day to get those things but he says, when you adjust your values and you seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness as the most valuable thing, what flows from him, what flows from a relationship with him, will supply every need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. When we get to the point that we struggle to supply our own need, we're falling far short. Of what God wants to supply for us. He wants to supply not only for this day. But for the days to come. Jesus is always thinking of things eternally. Which means today is part of eternity. He is supplying for today. But he's equipping us today for something greater in the future. And he wants us to know and to understand those things. Philippians chapter 3. Y'all doing all right? Oh, yeah. Verse 7. Listen to what Paul said. You, you can go back and read it. You, most of you know it. Paul is just talking about people were like, well, look at what we've accomplished. And he said, if you want to talk about accomplishments, all right, let's do it. But he made this statement. He said, but what things were gained to me or what things I spent my life putting value on, what things were gained to me, these I have counted loss for Christ. Yet indeed, I also count all things lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish that I may gain Christ. Paul is a man that spent his life achieving High marks and certificates and degrees and putting value on the status of life And when he met Jesus Christ, he said in comparison I have to readjust my values because my values were on my accomplishments and my education But right now I find all of my value in Christ And listen, when we find our value in Him and who we are in Him, and we acknowledge every good thing that is in us in Christ, not what we've done in the arm of the flesh, but what Christ is doing in us, what Christ has done through through us, it opens up avenues in being His disciple, that He changes everything. He opens up doors that no man can shut. He closes doors that no man can open. He moves us in avenues and places that we'd never dream of ourselves. but He has already dreamed about for us. He's already seen the beginning from the end and the end from the beginning for you and for me. And if we put him as a priority, he'll put you in the spot you were created to stand in. Yeah, right. Amen. And instead of being way over here to the left... And just saying, you know what, I've done good, but I'm feeling just a little bit dissatisfied and unfulfilled. And it's just a fine adjustment to being positioned where God positions you and saying, I'm totally 100% fulfilled and ready to do what I was created to do for his glory. He didn't say it to be mean. He didn't say it to discipline us. He said it as a matter of fact. If you want to come after me and do the works that I've done and even greater works than these if you want to experience relationship with the Father like Jesus does if you want to be one as we are one if you want to see the kingdom of God come to pass in your life then we are going to have to deny ourselves readjust our value system take up our cross and follow him next week we'll talk about taking up our cross i following him. Why don't you stand up? Father, we thank you. We praise you. We